The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Thank you.
I invite you to rise in spirit and body as you are able. Those at home and the choir downstairs are invited to sing and those beautifully gathered here to hum. Our opening processional hymn this afternoon is number 1000, Morning Has Come. to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco. Founded in 1850, our congregation is a beacon of liberalism in this city. Our long and continuing line of civic leaders and activists includes our minister, Star King, who was credited with keeping California in the Union during the Civil War. I am Kathleen Quinneville, and joining me is Shirley Gibson. We are two church members who helped bring Vanessa to us. You may wonder why, four years into a ministry, we are having an installation. Several years ago, after we had had a series of interim ministers, the Board of Trustees appointed a task force on future ministry to consider our best path to a settled ministry. Our, our charge was to explore various models of ministry and make a recommendation to the board. With extensive input from the members and the UU Association, and after considerable research, we recommended pursuing a new model, a developmental ministry. This model allowed us to hire a minister for a multiple year period to pursue agreed upon goals. 
that would better position us to call a minister. Unlike an interim ministry, a developmental minister uh, allowed a congregation to call that person. Although Reverend John Burens was not willing to accept a call, we determined he was the best person to help us in pursuing our goals. When John decided to retire after three years, the board decided to continue the developmental ministry model and reassembled the task force. On our recommendation, the board hired Vanessa, and she was willing to accept a call if that path was mutually agreed upon. Three years into her developmental ministry, the congregation elected a search committee. And last fall, in the middle of this pandemic, we remotely and joyously called Vanessa to be our minister. Today, we are completing that process with this installation. We would like to thank everyone who was involved in this process with us. Judy Payne, Margaret Pierce, Jonah Burquist, Kurt McCullough, Stephanie Gowan, Galen Workman, Reverend John Burens, and Reverend Dave Sammons. We'd like to welcome everyone who's joining us from wherever they're joining us. Our special guests, clergy, lay leaders from the denomination, and members of the Interfaith Council of San Francisco, including Rita Semmel, who founded the San Francisco Interfaith Council. And a special welcome to Vanessa's family and friends and our guest preacher, the Reverend Liz Lerner McClay, senior minister at the historic First Unitarian Universalist Church of Providence and one of Vanessa's closest friends. We'd like to thank everyone who's made this day possible, all the staff and volunteers, and especially the installation committee, Carrie Still Salazar, Judy Nichols, Julia Wald, Vanessa Vanderlyn, Hilary Buffum, Harry Arthur, and Kathleen Quinneville. Thank you, thank you for being here. We have carefully planned this service with precautions to keep safe the folks who are physically present. The preacher today is double vaccinated and had a one-hour RT-PCR test this morning, so she may preach without a mask, in part for accessibility of those who rely on lip reading. Our music director, Mark Sumner, will be song leading from the sanctuary mast. <coughs> Mark was tested on Friday. We are asking those here in the building to hum, but not to sing, sorry. <laughs> to maximize our shared safety. Everyone must remain masked in the sanctuary, and we've attempted to keep the airflow robust. That having been said, if you feel uncomfortable with this mix of decisions, please make whatever decisions you need to feel safer and let us know how we can help you do that. You are all very important to us. <clears throat> Vanessa wanted the service to be about community, not coronation, about a ritual marking of a chapter of partnership in the powerful alchemy that ordained and lay ministers are capable of when they join together in mutual service and growth. 
and about all that this life together offers and asks as we hold one another accountable in love. For all those reasons, and in that spirit, we begin our worship. We now light our blue candle, lit since the first Sunday after lockdown, over 19 months ago. We light it for all of you who are not here in body today, but are with us here in spirit for this hour of celebration and commitment. Good afternoon. I invite you all to say with me our unison chalice lighting. The words are printed in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. As a community bound by covenant, not creed, it is the promises we make together that matter most and hold us together. In that spirit, please join me in saying the words of our covenant printed in your order of service and then singing or humming together the doxology. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth and freedom, and to help one another. hear from our bell choir who normally would be up here in front somewhere but today we'll be singing from the back of the sanctuary so if you'd like to see them feel free to pivot in your seat or chair and enjoy
Good afternoon, and good afternoon, everybody at home. My reading is an excerpt from a curriculum called White Privilege, Let's Talk. This is from chapter three, and it's written by UCC minister, the Reverend Davida McAllister. I wish I could remember the year of the great storm in the DMV, DC, Maryland, and Virginia tri-state area. Back then, we didn't call it the DMV. It was simply the DC, or metro area. Perhaps I don't remember the year, because it was during that time in life when you weren't, you weren't learned to record such things. What I do remember is that I was in elementary school, and we had more snow than I had ever seen. The entire DC area had come to a screeching halt. No school, no work for my parents and no church. I didn't know such a thing was possible. How could you close church? It was like putting God on hold while you played elevator music. The reason this storm sticks out in my mind is not the lack of school or even the lack of church. Instead, it was one simple act by my mother. She sat her three children down at the dining table to have church. She was, and still is, a Sunday school teacher. On that cold Sunday morning, my mother pulled out her Sunday school lesson, and my siblings and I all sat at the table and had church. This was a big deal 
for a couple of reasons. Number one, this was our formal dining room. As children, we were only allowed in this space on Christmas morning for our eggnog toast and on Thanksgiving for the table blessing. On Christmas and Thanksgiving, we sat at the kids' table, a temporary accommodation for all the members of the family who were not elders. Number two, the dining room table was reserved for grown-ups and the occasional birthday party celebration, but only during the cake cutting. Yet, on this day, we sat at that dining room table as my mother offered her Sunday school lesson as a makeshift sermon. I must confess, I don't remember the lesson the scripture, not even her words. What I do recall as vividly as any sunrise was the real sense that church mattered. It mattered whether the doors of the sanctuary were open or closed. It mattered whether the roads were clear or impassable. It mattered even if my father didn't leave my parents' bedroom to attend our table fellowship. Taking the time each week to offer God praise mattered.
I am so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be back in this historic and beautiful space where I last saw my beloved goddaughter, Lila Menezes, and her coming-of-age group lead a marvelous service together just a few years ago. Thank you, UUSF, for having me speak. And thank you, my dearest Vanessa, for the honor of preaching your installation sermon. I have a very few things that I want to talk about with you this afternoon, and they all come back to the message of that song we just heard. Those of us who remember that song from when it was a big radio hit uh, had all those words echoing in our ears, I know, as much as, as we did hearing it through the sound system. Worlds are turning, and we're just hanging on, facing our fear, standing out there alone, a yearning, and it's real to we. There must be someone who's feeling for me. Things look so bad everywhere in this whole world. What is fair? We walk the line and we try to see falling behind in what could be. But here's the difference. You bring the higher love. Here's that higher love we keep thinking of. Often in an installation message, the, the sermon I'm expecting and wanting and appreciating is something about how the sky's the limit. That all of us, each of our congregations is only bound by the limits of our shared vision and commitment. Great, even thrilling things are possible. And as ministry launches the next chapter in the long life of a church, it is essential to remember how much power we have in those choices we make. So much is possible, and when we lean into that, it is extraordinary. And it matters not only to those of us in the community, which makes the choices, but also to all the rest of us who admire and learn from it. I always look forward to this kind of message because it feels so good to be reminded of those remarkable potentialities and blessings, not least because the mundane, day-to-day -day realities of a faith community so often drag us away from inspiration to perspiration. <laughs> There is always something. What is wrong with the church dumpsters? Why are they emitting a miasma so terrible that it prematurely ends the first outdoor reception after the first indoor worship service in a year and a half? I'm just making this up. It definitely didn't happen at First Unitarian Providence recently. <laughs> Why is the audio running 30 seconds behind the video on the new live stream? Please tell me you know what I'm talking about. These are not the things that we come to church for. No one is called to be part of a church by the challenges that plague every institution. We are called together by the blessings, the care, the welcome, the affirmation, the hope, the strength, the comfort, the relationships, the vision that undergirds it and lifts it all, the spiritual banquet for our hungry, hopeful souls. And in the meantime, in this quagmire of COVID, we have to get there from here. The miasma, the audio delay, the latest whatever, which brings us 
to Reverend McAllister's story about the time the storm snowed out the church. Admittedly, I am biased, but I'm still going to say it. Her mother's response is how church ought to be for all of us. A storm like no other shuts everything down. Church is closed. It is beyond comprehension. You heard what she wrote. It was like putting God on hold while you played what? Elevator music. And her mother didn't hesitate. Church was non-optional. It was non-losable. If they didn't have it one way, fine. They would have it another in the most precious room in the house because it mattered that much. It didn't depend on the building. It didn't depend on the minister. What it depended on was all of them in all their ways and all their places doing church, being church, carrying the church through the storm. And when they did, the teacher became the preacher and the lesson became the sermon and the daughter eventually became a minister because church mattered, because it was literally unstoppable because of its people, because of them, because of you. because of all of us together who serve the church, who are the church, who carry church every day through any storm, even now in this long storm of COVID. What I'm talking about is phileklesia, a word derived from ancient Greek, philau, from the word to love, and ekklesia from the Greek word for church. Thus, phileklesia means love of church. This word is one I made up. <laughs> a couple years ago, for a sermon I was preaching at my home UU church where I grew up, where I learned that an awkward, shy, bookish girl like me could be valued and loved not just by my family, but by a community where I confirmed my decision to become a minister, where my sister's family now worships, where my parents have chosen to have their ashes interred. Because there ought to be a word for such devotion and gladness and trust in our beloved community, our church so real and good that when we keep it, it keeps us. So there it is. And you are welcome, Phileclesia. So many of us have striven over the past year and a half to find our own versions of Reverend McAllister's family's Phileclesia, to hold our churches, all our congregations that hold us, to create our new alternate sacred spaces and times and opportunities and beloved community to make music that will not risk anyone to find ways to rally for justice and against racism when gathering and demonstrating has been against the rules and the regulations, sometimes even a violation of law. And I know, I know it has not been easy and it has not been perfect. That's okay. It doesn't have to be easy and it does not have to be perfect. It just has to be real. Church just has to be real, and faith just has to be real. Whether it is in this beloved sanctuary, 
or your dining room table, whether it is a Sunday school lesson or a sermon, whether it is bliss or stress-filled negotiation, real efforts, the very best we can do, we keep trying, we keep learning, we keep working to honor and keep all that we love, including each other, the best that we can. In this church, it is your shared commitment, not just Vanessa's, not just Allison's, or Laura's, or Mark's, or your boards, or anyone's. It's everyone's shared commitment to keeping church in any and every way we can that is keeping church, that will keep church, and carry you through to the other side that we keep getting closer to. Because yes, slower than we want, slower than we need, we are coming through this. This storm is passing over, and we are here. And keeping church ensures that you will be here for that blessed day that we can rip off our masks, not just me, everyone, and see each other smiling or crying and hug and sing and rejoice together. I don't know what your next versions of Reverend McAllister's Mother's Table Fellowship will look like. I don't even know what my own church's version of this will look like in the weeks and months to come. What I do know is that whatever the details turn out to be, these days continue to demand of us patience and compassion and love. It is not enough for me to say this to you. And it is not enough for you to nod and say, yes, we know, love and compassion. Mm -hmm. Right now, right now, sitting comfortably in this service of celebration and anticipation is not when you actually need this message. You will need this message. You will need to remember this message the next time Someone is working on your last nerve. Can I get an amen, somebody? <laughs> when someone quits an essential team in exasperation or hurt, when someone jumps to a conclusion that stops good work in its tracks, when someone fails to keep a promise you were depending on, or takes a massive effort for granted. That will be when I am asking you now to remember and honor and manifest our human capacity for grace. That will be when you will need to offer each other unearned, unsought kindness generosity of spirit. That will be when I am asking you now to pause, to express care, to cultivate patience, offer help, gifts of care and compassion and patience and support and steadfastness, creating together oases of compassion amidst this abrasive time that seems so set on grinding us down. Even more than now, that will be, that will be when you live into beloved community. That's what it is all about.
making sure that people are cared for and valued, especially when the chips are down. Beloved community is what you learn and teach together all the time. Growing our capacity to offer that kind of grace in this beloved community, we can share then that grace with those we care for, our friends, our teachers, students, spouses, partners, parents, children, neighbors, larger, all the circles of care we inhabit, all the circles of humanity we even just touch. It may be counterintuitive on this day that celebrates this new chapter you have already begun in the life of this faith community, that I'm dwelling so much on the capacities of the congregation, but your chapter with Vanessa is one that you co-author. Having together offered and accepted a call, you are trusting your ministry with each other, literally putting your faith in each other. This is a two-way street, a union in mutuality greater than the sum of its parts, beautiful, powerful, joyful, the harmony of so many skills and hearts and spirits together. Your path and fulfillment will be determined not by your ministers alone, but by the choices the whole church makes together, what you all embrace and risk and endure and learn together. And philecclesia. Some years ago, there was a gathering of UU ministers serving strongly growing churches. And the point of the gathering was to try to understand what was at the root of the growth. What was the engine? And was it the same engine across the very different congregations across the continent? Or were there many different engines that were particular, even unique to each instance? And long story short, after three days of facilitated conversations, the result was intriguing possibilities and no certainties. But the one factor that seemed to hold across all the varieties of congregations and ministers was love. Love of the minister for their church. Love from the church for their minister. Love of what they were creating and becoming together. This is an extraordinary reality that we inhabit. Love is both a church's purpose and its power. The tangible expression of love is a beloved community's goal, but it is also the means by which the community moves further and further towards and into the goal. I used to think, I'll just say it, I don't think I've ever said this out loud, I used to think that love thy neighbor was a mostly aspirational value. Most ministers won't confess that, but I just did. <laughs> but ministry has challenged me to try. And the more that I have pushed into that value, the more it has changed me, deepened me, and my ministry, and my churches, because we're always on these journeys together. Most love does not just appear. We create it over time with relationships. Pushing towards love has given me precious collegial relationships across denominations and cultures and races. It has given me some of my most demanding justice work, some of my most surprising and inspiring experiences of faith and fulfillment, 
some of my most treasured friendships. A book group started many years ago now in the Washington, D.C. area, half Unitarian Universalist women, half Ahmadiyya Muslim women. They thought that we were Christian. We thought they were cowed and oppressed. We read novels and nonfiction, essays and plays, Jane Austen and Jenny Lawson and Charles Dickens and Ta-Nehisi Coates. After just a few sessions, we were already learning how much we had been projecting upon each other and how much we shared, along with the differences that were real and expanded our understandings of each other and humanity and community. We made mistakes together and we learned together. We grew to like each other. We grew to love each other. Our time that was first rooted in principles, finding a constructive response after 9-11 became precious to us for our own living, our own souls. We celebrated birthdays and holidays together. We led worship together. I've been gone from that area for five years now and the book group is still meeting. And some members have collaborated now on opening a food bank that has quickly become essential to many Maryland families and individuals. Love is a purpose and a power. Living into love has enriched my life and my vocation more than anything else I have ever done. There has been nothing, nothing more important. And there has been nothing I have done as a minister that I could not have done as a layperson. Good people, this is what I wish for you and call you to and preach to you. Hold on to love, plant yourselves in it, grow love in you, and grow yourself in love. The higher love is in you, and it is you. Love will see you through this pandemic, and it will bless you in this new chapter. It will grow your abilities and your living and your faith. It will give you all a great and good foundation for this ministry and your marvelous, beautiful, beloved community. Embrace it and nourish it. In the words of another Rhode Island Unitarian Universalist colleague, Frederick Gillis, May the love which overcomes all differences and which heals all wounds, which puts to flight all fears, which reconciles all who are separated, be in us, be in you. And among you, now and always. Amen. I promised that I would not begin with a complete history of why we take an offering at our services. <laughs> Though I do think it is important to mention 
that part of why we do so is that we are a faith grounded in voluntary service and funding. The money contributed to today's offering will be shared between the UUA's Living Tradition Fund and the enrichment of lay leadership here in this congregation through trainings and workshops. Lay leadership is one of the foundational pieces of our faith, and it begins here in a local congregation such as yours. For a congregation such as yours to invest in training and empowering leaders is a blessed commitment, not only to your congregation, but to our faith movement as a whole. Past co-moderator Alandria and I were loved and trained into leadership by our respective local congregations. That is what empowered us to be ready to say yes when asked to serve our wider faith. In fact, all those who have served as UUA moderator and those who serve at national UU committees began their journeys as lay leaders in their local congregations. The Living Tradition Fund was established in part to provide emergency assistance grants to seminarians, ministers, religious educators, other congregational staff, retired ministers, and their loved ones. As a recent recipient of a grant from the fund, a grant that helped me pay life-saving medical bills when I had no income, I can assure you this money is well used and provides not only financial help, but also hope to those who choose to serve our congregations professionally. A concrete manifestation of your belief in the continuity of our faith and its institutions is to invest in those who are called to serve in leadership, whether that be as laity or religious professional. As you consider the amount you will contribute to today's offering, I invite you to think of your gift as an extension of all that you have to give, a tangible monetary representation of your love for our faith and its people, particularly those who lead it. If you're able, consider tripling or quadrupling the amount you originally considered giving. Together, we share our hopes and our values, our love. Let us also generously share our means to keep it all going. The offering will gratefully be received through plates at the back of the sanctuary for those here in person, through the online donation page on the UUSF's website, or by check. If using check, please put in the memo special offering in today's date, 10-3-21. Give as a manifestation of your love.
our congregation has called you, Vanessa Russ Southern, to be our minister. May our relationship be one of reciprocity, a ministry of joy and accountability. We stand on the edge of the possible together, inviting you to grow with us, to grieve with us, and to dream with us. We invite you to be our co-conspirator as we search for meaning, we advocate for justice, and we lean into our growing edges together. This ministry is one that we make together. I promise to do my part to trust myself, you, and the strength of this interdependent community. I commit to holding this community and myself with care as we serve this call together. With great joy and a deep sense of responsibility, I accept your trust and take up the ministry to which you have called me. afternoon, everyone. What a great day. Vanessa is being installed, and the Giants just won the NL West. If that's not a good omen, I don't know what is. Can I get an amen? amen. My name is Harry Arthur, and I'm a member of this church and a parent to my two daughters who are growing up in this community. As you may have noticed, for their own safety, the bulk of the children and youth are not in the installation service today. However, they are an integral part of this church, and so we ask them to write down their wants and desires for Vanessa's ministry. We've compiled those thoughts and put them into a children's charge to the minister. Here to present that charge is one of our many impressive youth group members Max Bembo. Max, the lectern is yours. Vanessa, to us, the children and youth, you appear to be a playful and curious minister. 
you enjoy acting and singing and learning and wearing the goggles of infinite perception. <laughs> Those qualities remind us of ourselves. We come to church partially because our parents make us, but also to explore our transcendent world, develop our empathy and kindness, lift our spirits, and to play and feel safe in this beloved community. In this spirit of shared possibilities for a limitless future, we charge you then to keep that youthful spirit of hope and wonder alive and thriving within the congregation. We charge you to fight sexism in all its forms, to make space in the community for a church pet, a cat or a rabbit perhaps. <laughs> we aspire to have a youth band to share in the rich tradition of this church's musical legacy. And we would love to welcome you more often to our classrooms and family gatherings so that we can get to know you better and you know us. We can't wait to join you again at our annual retreat where we get to play and sing and laugh and act and stay up late and do it all, mostly unattended, uh, because we know anyone and everyone at the retreat will watch over us. We charge you to create a welcoming and safe space filled with games and cooking and fun art projects where we can learn, grow, uh, grow with each other, old and young, different and alike, but bound in our common humanity. Perhaps above all else, we charge you to bear witness to the intersection of food and ministry. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. We love food. All right, we love food. It is required for us to grow. It has the power to uplift the soul. It can be given and received as a gift. It can be warm and cold both appetizing in their own ways. And in its making, it requires patience and care and creativity and love. And it can heal the sick in body or spirit and breaking bread with friends and foe alike has for millennia brought together all creatures, great and small, and it tastes so good. <laughs> God bless you and your ministry, amen. I'd like to call all of the moderators, past and this one present, to come forward. When I learned uh, we have a special gift from the congregation that we're going to give to Vanessa right now, and uh, when I learned that in this new role as moderator, that this would be one of the things that I would be required to do, and I just thought of all the moderators that had been here and brought us to this point, in time in history, and uh, so we're sharing this moment together. This, this stall um, has two sides. One side is, has been made by our youth. The other side was made by an artist um, with these colors 
representing our rose windows. So by doing this, we intend to reflect our community and our space. So um, I want to thank Vanessa Vanderlaan and Hilary Buffin. The three of us worked together on the stroll. Um, the artist that did the dyeing of this uh, made us crazy by being two months late, but we made it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You choose. I'll switch it partway through. Beautiful. Thank you. It's gorgeous. Thank you all. So Vanessa, you've given me permission to reach out to you because I believe a charge should be electrical. As Jacob Trapp once said to me when he charged me at my installation. And that's stole. I hope you feel it charged with love and energy and history, all of which it should remind you of as you wear it lightly, taking your responsibilities as a minister seriously, but taking yourself lightly. Because angels fly, you know, when they take themselves lightly. May it remind you of the shared ministry that is the heritage of this community. Only 13 times, counting today, in 171 years have we done what we do today in charging a spiritual leader to guide us into a rich and spiritually profound future. And so the charge that is first upon you may be symbolized by the concentric circles surrounding our flaming chalice. Your first responsibility is to keep joy and faith right at the heart of your own spirit that you may rekindle it in us. The person who lit that flame, your intimate partner in this life, Rohit, your most beloved, he rekindled it today Rely on him to rekindle it in you. Your first responsibility is to your love at home, even before you love us. Be assured that the surrounding circle is filled with the kind of transcendent love that was invoked when you were ordained to the strains of a jazz combo doing Love Supreme by Coltrane. Remember that the love that emanates from this centered spiritual community to the wider civic world in a wide circumference begins in love and manifests in justice. But first, your center. Second, your home. Third, the community here. 
and the wider world, well, we share that burden with you, don't we? Now in the challenging time that lies ahead, as you work with us to discern what religious community is in a post-COVID age, and Liz was so wise in her keeping a higher love at the center of that. I think the first charge I would give you is to plan a sabbatical. <laughs> One that will truly renew your spirit and your creativity and your imagination for us. Even as in the year ahead you have to Renew your vision of those who will work with you on the paid staff of this congregation with Allison departing. Keeping the flame alive, I know you will do in your very core. And if you do, wisely supported by those whom you help to choose and by those of us who will be your partners in ministry. I also charge you to help us discern a future for our wider ministry that emanates from this center that is to us both a blessing and a responsibility that needs to be made sustainable for the years ahead. And just know always that the energy of love is available to you as you help lead us in a loving and justice-making future. So may it be. Thank you, Judy.
Members of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco, this day we too are to be recommissioned in our ministries. Our tradition names the shared ministry as foundational to our work and its power and reach. It is a ministry of joy and accountability grounded in mutual respect trust, and reciprocity. As we reach for that higher love, we stand on this occasion on the edge of the possible together, inviting you to grow with us, to grieve with us, and dream with us. We invite you to be co-conspirators as we search for meaning advocate for justice, and lean into our growing edges together. This ministry is one we make together. I invite you to sh share in the words in your order of service. We, the clergy of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco, do bless and recommission you, members of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco, to be lay ministers of this congregation and servants of its mission in these walls and beyond. We will respond to your requests for help and urge you to live out the realization of your gifts and talents as you bless the world. In a, a moment, when the most segregated hour in this nation was 11 o'clock Sunday mornings, something unique came into being. The Church for the Fellowship of All Peoples, the nation's first avowedly interracial, interfaith congregation, where I presently serve as presiding minister. And I want to acknowledge the presence of our board chair, Brian Caston. Even though the Presbyterian Church had given financial and moral support to the church's beginnings, when the installation service was being projected, it was clear that it would not be held in a Presbyterian church. Not this inclusive worship service. First Unitarian San Francisco responded to the need for a place to hold this radical experiment in inclusive worship. The inaugural service for Fellowship Church was held here 
October the 8th, 1944. Dr. Howard Thurman, co-founding pastor, was aware of a vital connection and expressed it in the following way. It, is, it was a kind of prophetic fulfillment to hold our service at the First Unitarian Church. This was, after all, a fitting place because of the historic contributions that this church, through one of its former ministers, Thomas Starkeen, had made to the struggle to liberate the slaves during the fateful years when the house was divided. King's tremendous powers were in no small measure responsible for California's strategic contribution to the nation's cause and to human freedom. The 50th anniversary of Fellowship Church was also held here, October the 8th, 1994. And there have been other occasions where we have linked hearts, minds, spirits, and even hands, overcoming the temptation of separation and division. In this moment now, the moment before us, we are called to walk together anew and not faint or get weary as we face the demands now before us. And there are indeed demands that we must approach with faith, trust, courage, and unyielding hope and love amid the turmoil that attends our days and the anxieties which too often visit us in dreamland. The coronavirus has revealed with great clarity the disparity of opportunity and living conditions that permeate our society. Healthcare, housing, starvation, fresh air to breathe, contaminated water, racism, sexism, varying gender expression, varying ability oppression, destruction of the ecological system, and war, and rumors of war even now. These are issues that we must address. We, senior minister, and congregation must represent alternative realities. That is, represent in word and deed a nation of justice, mercy, equity, honoring our precious planet. The demands draw upon and draw out our ability and resources to make a profound difference in the lives of the disinherited, locked out, chronically crushed. The demands stretch beyond our commonplace living into the potential of tomorrows. Tomorrows with fresh scent of daybreak. Our structures and strategies must serve as vehicles upon which our dreams are saddled and ridden. The days ahead demand that we believe in the inherent worth 
of every individual and stand in solidarity with all the creatures of the earth and indeed earth itself. We must believe that we have shared deep religious experiences that connect us to our underlying unity, undercutting the barriers and patterns of oppression that exist among the peoples of the world. We, Fellowship Church, and here, First Unitarian, we're united in vision, commitment, and action. And we must continue to be so, for then, when we are, we represent the idea. That is, we represent the idea of common heritage and goal, the common ground of all peoples, the beloved community, the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of God. Reverend Vanessa Rush Southern, you have been with this congregation for four years, providing imaginative, sensitive, effective, creative, powerful, prophetic leadership. The spirit of Thomas Starr King is with you and within you. Congregation, you are known for your vital forums, your activism, your angel, your personality, your essence is one of openness, justice-seeking, standing on the side of love. This is a great day, a magical moment, a day in which you and you, senior minister, proclaim your tryst with each other. Embrace it with joy and gratitude. I hear music in this place, music to harmonize the discordant world. In this moment, on this day, let us covenant to walk and work together in good and in challenging times so that in the words of Mrs. Sue Bailey Thurman, there will be no past greater than our future. Mm. Mm. Amen.
Greetings. I am Charles Dumond, and I serve as co-moderator of the Unitarian Universalist Association with the Reverend Meg Riley. It is a blessing to be with all of you today. I am a member of the UU congregation in San Mateo, and I have visited this church many times. I have been especially inspired by this congregation's dedication to social justice. My first memory of the Reverend Vanessa Rush Southern is from the Summit New Jersey Breakthrough Congregation video from 2010, where she said, okay, that sounds like a reasonable choice, but is that the bold one? And are we called to the bold decision in this case? And that has become one of my questions whenever I am faced with a decision. Is it the bold choice? Our association, the UUA, has embarked on a couple of bold choices. Article two of our bylaws, the place where our purposes and our seven principles reside, has a study commission charged with proposing any revisions that will enable our UUA, our member congregations, and our coveted communities to be a relevant and powerful force for spiritual and moral growth, healing, and justice. The commission is charged to root its work in love. As a principal guide in its work, attending particularly to the ways that we and our root traditions have understood and articulated love and how we have acted out of love. <clears throat> also in June 2020, the Commission on Institutional Change submitted its report entitled Widening the Circle of Concern. The report is filled with recommendations to dismantle white supremacy culture, both in the association and our congregations. Many have already engaged with this work, and there's much more to do. For the work you have already done in these two areas, thank you. For upcoming opportunities, you are invited to participate and share in the transformation of our religious movement. Congratulations as you honor your shared ministry together and congratulations on choosing one another. As the psalmist proclaimed, how good and pleasant it is for sisters and brothers to dwell together in unity. Beloved Reverend Vanessa Rush Southern and our First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco family, on this momentous day in your rich and historic journey in our city, the San Francisco Interfaith Council brings to you the collective joy and the prayers of our city's 800 communities of faith and religious institutions. I am very blessed to be joined today by Rita Simmel, the founder and past chair of this council, and underneath our masks, we are smiling and rejoicing with this beloved community. In a very significant way, Today marks a new beginning 
for the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco and is an affirmation of the love, the trust, the aspirations, and the commitment being made by this historic community of faith for their senior minister, the very gifted and inspired Vanessa Rush Southern. I stand here today as one with a grateful heart for both this wonderful community of faith and the prophetic spiritual leader it is called to build upon the generations of contributions the First Unitarian Universalist Society has made to the upbuilding and the betterment of our city. Dear Vanessa, in my 14-year tenure as Executive Director of the San Francisco Interfaith Council, I've had the privilege to work with this congregation and your two immediate predecessors, both of whom brought their unique gifts to their call. I have come to know the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco as a community of faith that actualizes indeed its deep and resolute commitment to social justice, civil and human rights, welcoming and uplifting the marginalized and disenfranchised, and speaking truth to power. Its partnership with the San Francisco Interfaith Council of over three decades, hosting the Interfaith Winter Shelter, and the leadership role played in our interfaith essential housing efforts by your predecessor, Reverend John Burens, are shining examples of this truth. Today begins a new era for you, dear faithful of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco. By the grace of God, you have prophetically called an inspiring new leader with particular gifts to navigate you through an unprecedented time of challenge. You have chosen well. For just as Vanessa compassionately shepherded her flock in Summit, New Jersey, through tragedy and loss during the events of 9-11, so too has she risen to the occasion and wisely provided practical and spiritual care for you in the daily challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic. But if the truth be told, she has done so much more, not the least of which is embodied in her sensitivity to and forceful voice in speaking out against the injustices this pandemic has posed to our Asian sisters and brothers and other communities of the voiceless in need of an advocate. Dear First Unitarian Universalist Faithful, your senior minister's witness and gifts have been recognized beyond these historic walls on Cathedral Hill. In a very short time, she has made a name for herself in our broader civic and interfaith communities. The San Francisco Interfaith Council is proud to count Vanessa as not only a member, but as the vice chair of its board of directors. This honor is a direct reflection of not only 
her proven leadership, but also of the importance of this anchor institution of faith in San Francisco. In closing and on a personal note, I remember ever so vividly being present in this beautiful and historic sanctuary on Reverend Southern's very first official Sunday of ministry. And I remember the joy and the hopes that filled this space which you make holy. Since that time to the present, your senior minister has become a valued colleague and a trusted personal friend. It is my prayer for Vanessa and for the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco that your journey together may be blessed with God's love and protection and that this new chapter in your history may break new ground in the true spirit of the teachings of your rich faith. May God bless you and may God keep you. First of all, I bring greetings from the faculty, staff, and students of Star King School for the Ministry, now located on the campus of Mills College in Oakland, California, and where I have the honor to serve as president. Though our faith tradition as Unitarian Universalists is rooted in the dissenting tradition of Christianity, there are practices within our ministry that have their origin in Christian scripture itself. Offering the right hand of fellowship is one of these. We find it mentioned in chapter two of Paul's letter to the Galatians, when the leaders of the early church in Antioch, Paul and Barnabas, partner with Peter and others in the church at Jerusalem. The right hand of fellowship in that case was meant to honor an acknowledgement of their respective callings, an act of friendship, and recognition of a common work, preaching the good news of Jesus. Ever since that time, the right hand of fellowship and ceremonies like this one have been a welcome, an acknowledgement of ministry, and a sign of partnership among those of us who have been called out from among the people to serve in this holy enterprise. But it's 2021, and handshakes are fraught with anxieties. Fellowship is often a reminder of how many of us are not fellows. And segments of us aren't even right-handed. None of us could have imagined all these changes or what we would need to be good colleagues in these days. But that does not change the deeper meaning and importance of this act, an act of friendship, colleagueship, and common commitment. Vanessa, you and I have known each other a long time. First on the East Coast, when you were in Summit, and I was working in Manhattan, and now out here in the West, you here in San Francisco and me in Oakland. For all that time, throughout those years, you have made real the meaning of this moment, not only to me, but to other colleagues who have been within your orbit. Consider this, then, a renewal of the promises you have made to endeavor to live each day among your colleagues in this evolution of the right hand of fellowship 
I extend to you this hand of sisterhood and partnership with all the ancient promises of encouragement and support behind it all. Blessings, my friend. I wish I were here in person to give my blessing and my love to you, Vanessa, to the congregation, and to the ministry you share. I want to preface my prayer with two short stories. In the mid-1970s, a few weeks after we joined the church in Knoxville, Tennessee, the Minister of Religious Education, Mary Nelson, beckoned me and said, I would like you to co-teach a sixth, seventh grade class. I resisted saying, oh, I don't think I could. I have no experience. But Mary persuaded me, in co-teaching that class, I grew in ways I could never have imagined. In 2001, I spent my sabbatical in South Africa with a small community of Dominican sisters at the edge of a vast informal settlement. They ministered to some of the 90,000 people living in those shacks amidst direst poverty and rampant AIDS. I'd gone to be a volunteer to help. But after a few weeks, I found it frustrating, no more than that, devastating, to realize how little I could do to make a difference. On the morning of my last day, the sisters held a chapel service and gave me this blessing. Do less, be more. It has taken, is taking, years to absorb this wisdom, the need to ground doing in a practice of being. This is my prayer for you, Vanessa, for the congregation, and for your ministry together. I pray you may beckon others into a fuller life of doing what we can to heal the world mending the rifts and divisions that pull us apart, educating the lack of knowledge and fear that keep us apart. This is what a church community can do. Educare means to lead out, to beckon us into becoming more than we can imagine. And this is also my prayer to you, Vanessa, to the congregation and for the ministry which you share. May you encourage each other to be more. This is the hardest part. We feel such pressure, both internal and external, to do. But like breathing in and breathing out, 
we also need to remember to ground our doing in being, becoming more attentive, more quiet, taking the time to wait on the still center of love. So may it be. Amen. days, wherever the road takes us, may the light of love shine upon us. Out from within us be gracious unto us and grant us peace and joy and boldness. For this is the day, this is the 
life. This is the chapter together we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.
The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.